we choose to go to the moon. I can't believe what's happening here. I got And now, History Boulevard with John Oakley. Steven Spielberg's Jaws, which came out on this date in 1975. Uh, We've got Peter Howell joining us, movie critic for the Toronto Star. He, by the way, is a past president of the Toronto Film Critics Association and a member of the Critics' Choice Association. So, Peter, on this anniversary of Jaws, I appreciate you joining us. Good afternoon. My pleasure. Happy to talk to you. Well, listen, uh, Jaws... I guess still considered uh, one of the most lucrative and important films in Hollywood history. Uh, tell us about it and why it has this stature. Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. It's considered to be the original movie blockbuster. I mean, you know, that, that, that term is so common now, but it was not common when this movie came out in 1975. Like, it was originally this hit book of 1974 that everybody was reading. I'm, I'm old enough to remember how everybody on the beach was reading it in 74. And it, the movie was originally supposed to come out in the Christmas of 74, because summer was considered to be a dead zone. But because of the problems and delays in filming it, like the mechanical shark kept acting up and there was bad weather and things like that, they had to delay it to summer, which opened up all kinds of problems because in the summertime, a lot, a lot of theaters used to be closed. They didn't have uh, air conditioning. The summer was such a dead zone that Pauline Kale of the New Yorker used to take the summer off because there was no movies worth writing about. Hmm. But they, uh, Universal and uh, Spielberg and, you know, everybody decided to give this a shot. And they, instead of, instead of uh, sort of being meek and mild about it, they brought it out in like 465 screens at the same time, which would be nothing today because you have like three to 4,000 for blockbuster films today. But 465 screens, just to compare with that, like uh, The Godfather came out originally on five screens hmm. in March of 72, and then it grew to 316 theaters. You know, So Jaws decided to come right out of the block, literally break the block, and it was a massive hit right in. It just set the template for so many other movies to come. It kicked the doors wide open, in other words. So, uh, exactly. I, I like the fact that you say the shark kept acting up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. You know, they, they used three different mechanical sharks, and because they were so wonky, the first 21 minutes of the film, you don't actually see the shark. You're originally supposed to see it right off the bat, but Spielberg said, you know, I thought I was making a Godzilla movie, and it turned out to be a Hitchcock movie. You know, it was, it was kind of amusing. <laughs> Well, in some ways, that was serendipitous as well, because uh, it increased the drama, didn't it? Absolutely. You know, and John Williams, who won, a, he won an Oscar for his score, he originally, you know, that, but, um, but, um, mm. when Spielberg first heard that, he, he said, are you joking me? Is, is that your score? And, but, but, you know, he persevered, and, and all these elements came together to make this such a classic, not only a horror movie, but just such an incredible, you know, movie to, to capture the way people think of sharks, not in a good way. <laughs> And just what what people would call a movie movie. Well, and the sound, uh, I believe, won an Academy Award. It won one of yep. three. Yeah. For, so it's uh, film editing. Yeah. Yeah. The funny, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Well, what was interesting about this, it was, I guess, Spielberg's second offering, Sugarland Express in 74, but then this came out uh, on this date in 75. And we're talking to Peter Howell again, Toronto Star's film critic uh, on the anniversary this all started without a script, without a cast, and even without a shark, according to Richard Dreyfus. Well, yeah, Richard, you know, he, 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 Dreyfus is a funny guy. He did an interview after the screening. He said the movie was a disaster. You know, that, that, that was his first reaction. And now, now he says it's the best movie ever made, which is, which is true, actually. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, they had all kinds of problems of who they were. They, you know, Spielberg wanted to get Lee Marvin to play, uh, you know, the, 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 the sea captain Brody. Uh, but it ended up being Roy Scheider. It was a brilliant casting. Oh, sorry, Robert Shaw was. It was Robert Shaw who played Quint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brody was the, the the police captain played by Roy Scheider. But uh, Roy Scheider, Roy Scheider, he met at a party, 
and and Schneider said to him, "Hey, why don't you why don't you have me for the role?" You know, so um, there was so much serendipity that made this movie that worked the way it did. Well, these actors you mentioned, Dreyfus and uh, Schneider and uh, I Robert guess, Shaw, Robert, they couldn't stand each other, could they? They could not. No, they, they, that added to the the realty, the realism of the movie because uh, Dreyfus and, and Shaw in particular hated each other, and uh, that just really came through. That kind of you know, because because Dreyfus played the uh, the uppity hippie, right? That was the whole like the, the know it all marine biologist, and Quint played you know Shaw played Quint, who was who was actually the guy who went out to the sea. He went down to the sea and he he fought those monsters, you know, that people were afraid of. So there was that great tension there. Well, and so a lot of this Spielberg improvised, as I understand it, because Benchley's book, uh, he sort of deviated from that and uh, started to ad lib his way through frantic script rewrites, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Benchley, I think, wrote three different drafts, which Spielberg wasn't terribly happy with. He ended up getting uh, Carl Gottlieb, who had written The Odd Couple, to come in and do a few laps in the thing to make some... And there are a lot of funny moments in the movie, some of them quite dark moments. But, um, you know, Spielberg, you know, he was only 27 years old, which uh-huh. is incredible. But he had such amazing instincts for movies. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, the early indication at 27 of his talent to come, uh, could we see it in Jaws? Oh, for sure. You, you could see it in Duel, you know, like the, his first movie, Duel, you know, the, there's sort of a similar Jaws kind of dynamic where Dennis Hopper's being chased by this, you know, this maniac, a guy in a, in a, in a truck that, that they can't figure out who it is. But so there's that kind of really good at just uh, capturing uh, drama and, and suspense and all the things he'd learned as a kid, like you going to the movies, he brought right to the screen. So Peter, does a movie still stand up? Yeah, it does. It not only does it stand up, I think it's even better now. Because you know, when I remember seeing it in '75 when it came out, and it, it, it just one step above a drive-in movie, you know, in my mind anyway at the time. And I was, I was a what well, I was 20, I guess at that, or 19, I was 19 in '75, um, know-it-all kid. But now it just when you feel the craft and the and the and the things they had to do to make this thing work, um, just the lucky chances that happened and the just the leap of faith to make things work. I mean, that the ending, you know, uh, is it okay to talk about the ending, or do you think that people are going to worry about spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There's got to be a statute of limitations on spoiler alerts. What? Yeah. Lincoln assassinated? When did that happen? Anyway. Yeah. anyway <laughs> no. It turned out to be a lot more violent ending than the book, which which apparently infuriated Benchley. But, uh, you know, the, the ending was improvised, and it was incredible. And he, even the line, um, you're going to need a bigger boat, like the most famous line that uh, the Scheider says, yeah. that, was, that was ad-libbed. You know, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the fact, by the way, I had family uh, who were at Martha's Vineyard when this film was being made and they were really? saying, yeah, oh. Richard Dreyfus was learning to do the scuba diving thing in the pool, in the resort pool there. <laughs> and so That's cool. Very cool story. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody was excited that they were filming in the town and uh, on the beach and all the rest of that. But uh, again, with Peter Howell, we're talking about the anniversary of Jaws coming out in theaters a summer blockbuster, and it really gave, uh, I guess, that whole genre uh, its, well, that was what the seminal stage, uh, yep. Jaws in the Summertime. Peter is the movie critic for the Toronto Star. And so, uh, you know, Dreyfus and uh, the other members, you know, it's Dreyfus's name that came up in a recent, and this is very recent, uh, where he found that the new rules for Oscar nominations uh, made him physically sick. I've got to ask <laughs> you about it. Well, I've got to ask you about it, Peter, because uh, I don't know. I mean, you've... You follow the beat and you know what's going on as far as these uh, movie rules. If you want to be nominated for Best Picture in the Academy Awards, you got to satisfy two of four criteria for representation with diversity, equity, inclusion, and so on and yeah. so forth. Dreyfus uh, sees that as patronizing. He says it makes him physically ill. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think I think Dreyfus is a great actor. 
Um, but, um, you know, anytime you enshrine rules and write them down, they're going to look ridiculous. Um, anytime you get bureaucrats writing your rules, particularly if the bureaucrats are writing about anything to do with art, it's going to look ridiculous. But, you know, the analogy that I use, um, you remember back in the early 70s when the, the Canadian, you know, the CRTC decreed that there had to be a certain number of um, Canadian music on Canadian radio? Yeah, Maple, uh, music, yeah, artist. And everybody said how, uh, how, how, how outrageous that was and how stupid that was. And they said, you're going to be playing Gordon Lightfoot and Joni Mitchell nonstop, which is actually not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you do, like, we don't have this talent in Canada. How could they possibly do this? And that ended up kicks starting the Canadian music industry in such a huge way. We had so much more talent that came on, so much support. It, it, it became, it's one of those necessary cattle prods of life, you know, and, and, and I, think, I think maybe the Academy could have been a bit um, more subtle about it or they could have maybe worked it, but I think it's good. in the fullness of time, it'll work out and it'll, it'll be a good thing. So it's a, it's, a, it's a necessary cattle prod, but I understand why, uh, why uh, an enthusiastic guy like uh, Richard would get excited about it. Well, he may not be alone in that regard, but they're going to gerrymander certain casting calls and so on and so forth. Uh, There's there's an easy way around it. You don't have to have them on the screen. For all the things people are complaining about, there's also like a a page two there where you can have them as production people. So if you're doing a period piece where it has to be a certain type of people, you can, you can, you can, you know, heed the letter of the law by also having people in the, you know, diver, diverse people in the production staff. So it's not as, it's not as onerous as it sounds, but, you know, because it's, it, because it's bureaucratic and because it's all written down, you know, I understand why people are getting agitated about it. Well, you can't win an Oscar twice. This is another rule. I mean, Meryl Streep's got to be pissed at that, no? <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that sounds like a, an odd thing. Um, it, it deserves further scrutiny, but you know, the, the Academy is, how many times have people said, "Hey, the Academy really got it right?" Not very often in the, you know over the many years. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping. I guess I'm an optimist. Uh, in this industry, maybe I shouldn't be, but uh, you know, the I think it'll work it out. I think it'll it'll be okay. All right. Maybe they should put in a rule you can't have the same host twice. <laughs> that would be a good rule. Yes, it would. <laughs> All right. And the Golden Globes, they're done, eh? Uh, they're not going to have the Golden Globes anymore, or are they going to go ahead with the show? Uh, well, here's the weird thing. They're going to have them, but the Hollywood Foreign Press, you know, the people that used to put they apparently are going to vanish. But then the people who were voting for the, inter- for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, they're still going to be voting for a few years. So it's this weird kind of a shell game where, Okay, we no longer have the guys who put this on, but we're still going to have the awards. I, I, I just thought, as long as you have Ricky Gervais back, I don't care what you do. That, that, that was my, my feeling about that. Amen to that. I was about to, uh, well, I'll second that motion. Certainly, Ricky yeah. Gervais saves the show. Uh, Peter, good to talk. I appreciate it on this, the anniversary of Jaws coming out Likewise. in 1975. You stay well. You too. Yep, bye-bye. Thank you. Peter Howell, again, movie critic for the Toronto Star. Listen to The John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on Earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.